Hey y'all, what a fun interview this week. Um, if you have watched any of The Bachelor at any point in your life, you probably know Maddie Pruitt. Um, she is now a speaker and two-time author and just a really awesome person. Um, we got to talk from her new home in Waco uh, this week about her latest book, which came out last month, The Love Everybody Wants, What You're Looking For is Already Yours. And um, what's really, really cool about this book is she started writing this in a single season um, after The Bachelor. She was really struggling with her singleness and sort of value in that. And so this whole book is her trajectory from then to meeting her now husband, going through their whole process of dating. Um, it's chock full of practical ways to date intentionally, date well, date faithfully for those who are in that season. And then it ends up um, at their wedding ceremony. I think she finished it a couple uh, months after they got married. So it's a really neat walk through every season of her life in terms of dating and relationship. And even more than that, we, we don't even focus totally on dating. Um, this is a lot about our identity and our value and our worth, um, how we see that, how we reorient it to be built on, on who God says we are, and that that is truly the only way to enter into anything from a place of security, whether that's dating and marriage, whether that's a job opportunity, no matter what you've been waiting on or like the gift that you feel like you really desire, that it's in the waiting and in the refinement and the reorienting of your identity to the Lord, that he prepares you to hold the weight of the gift that he is is giving you. Um, it's really cool. She is such a light. I just enjoyed the heck out of her. So um, you guys, I, I know you'll love her too. So listen up this week for this interview with Maddie Pruitt Trout. Well, Maddie, I'm so happy to have you. Um, I was so sad I missed you the week you were in Nashville. I was out of town. Um, I know. I know. We'll just have to do it again next time in person. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But I can't wait to talk to you about your book. Um, I can't wait for all my people to get to know you if they don't already. I'm sure they do. Um, but the way I like to start the show is because I'm in Music City and I love music. Um, you're an athlete, so you'll get this. If you could have a walkout song for your life right now, like end of 2023, what would it be? Oh my goodness. You know, I have been really vibing and this sounds like such a Christian answer, <laughs> but I've been really vibing with like Forrest Frank lately and his song Dude. No Longer Bound. Yes. I feel like if I'm ever like just having a bad day or just like in a rut, I literally will turn it on. And I used to like, like my biggest hangup, right? So like it wasn't, I didn't really struggle with like drinking and partying, but like my biggest thing was music. Yeah. And so I had a really hard time when the Lord convicted me to stop listening to like Drake. And so yeah. I was like, so we're not going to listen to Drake anymore. So we're going to have to find like some good Christian substitutes that when I listen, like the beat is awesome, but I'm being fed the truth. And yeah. so um, I've just like enjoyed building like a little fun playlist that just like picks me up. And so that's probably that's just like the song that came to my mind. Dude, that makes me so happy because my husband loves him and I'm like, ironically growing up in a music family like not super music savvy like I kind of listen to the same stuff and so yeah. he got me on Forrest Frank because he was like you got to listen to this like and just like shameless plug I don't think either of us know him but he had his like hymns album new hymns album come out yeah, last yeah. week from when we record awesome so good Amazing. like probably will link it for everybody so I love that that's 
your song. Yeah. Yeah. No, what's funny is my husband and I live in Waco, Texas and he lives in Waco, Texas. Really? And so we've actually, I like randomly ran into like him and his wife at like Target or something. (laughs) And, uh, but we don't like, we don't actually go to the same church and stuff. So I'm not like seeing him, you know, often, but I hear he's amazing. And I just like, I love, you know, his music and it's, it's been really cool to see like the Lord bless him and how he's grown stuff. So yeah, I'm all about it. Yeah, for sure. I love it. Well, you mentioned Waco. I was going to ask you like, you're an Auburn girl, um, which is awesome. Also, I should tell you, I basically went ham on your game day couture line at the beginning (laughs) of this year. Um, cause I'm a Tennessee ball. And so like, you know, our win loss is always a gamble. So at least you got to look cute. Just also shameless plug for you. The line's awesome. It's really cool. So (laughs) it's actually my, I've been working with them for three years and it's my favorite line that we've done. And actually what's funny is like one of the best sellers was this jacket, uh, that was a Tennessee jacket Really, and it like sold out like immediately. So, um, anyways, thanks for saying that. I'm, I love it too. And I'm, yes, I love my Auburn tigers. I'm like anything that gives me the opportunity to like represent yeah basketball I'm about it how so what was the transition for you like when did you leave Auburn and how did you what how did Dallas happen before we even go to Waco literally the Lord the Holy Spirit um and that sounds again super Christianese but like I was planning on moving to LA I just come off of a reality TV show and I was like I'm gonna move to LA and I'd gotten connected with some really amazing people in LA um and Janine Amapola who I um has become one of my best friends and she has a podcast too but she was in LA and we were gonna live together and we got connected and we started touring places together and I like gave her my commitment I was like I'm all in we're moving down this is gonna be so fun And I went out there for two weeks and something in my spirit felt so off. And I was like, I can't shake the lack of peace Mm. that I'm feeling right now. And I, I can't like just ignore that. And so I had to have the hard conversation with her of like, I don't think I'm going to move to LA. And I told her, I was like, but you know, the Lord has really laid Dallas, Texas on my heart. Mm. And I don't know why I didn't know a single person in Dallas, Texas. No connection. And I was no one, no, I had no connections. Um, there was like one family friend that lived in like South Lake, which is like 45, 40 mm-hmm. minutes away from Dallas. And, uh, and, and I knew I wouldn't get to see her a ton. So I literally didn't know anyone yeah. and the Lord put Dallas on my heart. And I was like, okay, let me bring this to her. And so I told Janine, I was like, Hey, just pray about it. I'd still love to live with you. But she was not bent on like moving to Dallas. Like she loved LA yeah. and I knew I was supposed to move to LA and I wanted us to live together. And so I took 21 days um, to just pray like relentlessly about it. And I fasted and I prayed and literally the last day she called me and she was like, the Lord told me I'm supposed to move to Dallas. No way. So, yeah. And so, and then she went all in, she like bought the house and then I just rented from her and I'm like, Hey, yes. I gotta respect it. I know. And so it's really cool. Her family's actually from Dallas. So she grew up in Dallas and then had moved away. Mm-hmm. And so she just wasn't ready to move back that quickly, but it's really cool. It's been amazing. We both like met our husbands in Dallas yeah. and Um, The Lord has just been so faithful. I got connected with a mentor there and just have found so many amazing friends. And so I know it was definitely the Holy Spirit that was like Dallas, Texas. Isn't that good? That's so cool. I I haven't been there a ton, but I've really loved the time I've spent in Dallas. And actually, interesting connection, Nardos made your wedding gown. She made mine for my wedding this year. Yes. So we were back and forth and in and out. And 
I just love her. Do you not like she oh, is an angel on my, earth. So I don't know. So like it was a God story. So like I know you didn't ask me about this, but I'm no, just going to tell you really Let's quick. go. Because it was such a God story. And this is why I believe in the power of prayer, even over like simple things like yeah. I'm getting married like and Lord, like, yeah. you know, set up some amazing opportunities yeah. and help me to cross yeah. paths with, you know, just divine connection. So I randomly walked by her store. I was actually on that like shopping strip yeah. for another store and happened to walk by it and saw these like beautiful ball gowns in the window. But I thought it was just like nice, fancy dresses. I didn't yeah. know she designed wedding dresses. And so I like walked in truly like not thinking anything. Maybe they have like bridesmaids dresses, you know, yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. not thinking anything happened to walk in. I had the previous year before released my first book called made for this moment. And it was all based on Esther 414. I walk in and um, I'm like looking at all the dresses. I immediately fall in love with everything in the store. Oh, gorgeous. And uh, I see that they have wedding dresses. And so I like connected with, you know, the person working there, just kind of left my information. And I was like, hey, I'd love to like work with you guys. I'd love um, to get dresses from here. Like yeah. not just one, but a few. Yeah. And, uh, and so anyways, the owner ended up calling me. I came back into the store and I opened up this little like book that they had on kind of like a coffee table in there. And on the front cover of the book was Esther 414. Yes. And when I read it, I was like, it was just like a full circle moment mm -hmm. of like, I was made for this moment. Like I was made for these dresses. Like, I know that sounds so silly, but I was like, I, this just like, so feels like the Lord is in it. And she was so amazing like through the entire process so it was such a god thing that i just happened to like stumble in there and yeah and she's a believer and it yeah. was just so awesome yeah no every time we went my mom was like i just love that she's always playing worship music like she literally prays over her brides like it was not to totally derail on artists but the only reason we knew her is because my little sister got married three years ago and a lot of her good friends went to tcu so that was the connection etc um, so we yeah. went down there she made ali's dresses my other sister and i's bridesmaids dresses and that was like probably a year and a half after my late husband had passed and she just like poured into me I mean every time we went for Allie's fittings like not taking away from her moment but like when she and I would be working on my bridesmaids dress just put hands on me and like you the Lord will redeem this like double portion like you'll be back here for me to make your gown again like she's wow. beyond so just to like shout out to Nardos like I would love to have her on the show too. So we're, I have to fly oh, to Dallas and the three of us can do it. <laughs> no, really. I'm like, come to Dallas. Let's hang yeah. out. We'll go to lunch and dinner with Nardos. Yeah, and she's the bomb. Yeah, that is amazing. Anyway, very, very cool. But so you're in Dallas and are you already dating when you're in Dallas or like how did how did you meet Grant? Like what was kind of the time frame on that? So again, for my first book made for this moment, I had been invited to go on to a podcast in Dallas. And so I went on to this podcast to talk about my book. And at the end of the podcast, one of the co-hosts, he was a guy and he was like, hey, are you single? And at first I was like, why are you asking? Yeah, and then he was like, not it? for me, I promise. <laughs> um, he was like, but for one of my best friends, he was like, I actually think you guys would be like amazing together. And, um, at first I was kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't do blind dates. I don't yeah. do setups. Um, but he was like, Hey, no pressure. Like, but let me just like pray on it and think about it for a little bit. I don't want to be like rash to making that decision or setup. 
And I was like, okay. And I didn't think about it again for like a month. And then he brought it back up again to me. And he was like, Hey, I really want to set you guys up. And I was just like, okay, that's like, okay, it's fine. Like, you know, you can give him my number. And he ended up like calling me literally two weeks out. And he was like, Hey, I'd love to take you on a date December 3rd. I'll be in town. He was living in Missouri at the time, but his family was from Dallas. Uh, but he was working for a ministry out in Missouri and he came into town and took me on a date. And literally first date, I called my mom right after and I was like, I'm going to marry this man. He is the most amazing man of God that I've ever met. The way he lights up when he shares his testimony and story is unlike anything I've ever seen before. And so I knew first date, like he's it. Yeah. (laughs) That's so great. Did that feel crazy to you at all? Or did it feel like totally rock solid? Yeah, I was the most like logical person. Like I am not, I mean, I went on a dating TV show where nothing's logical. (laughs) And like, I still got to the very end and was like, logic, 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 can't do this. And so like, I have always been a super like thoughtful, careful, logical person. But I always knew like, I'm also like very just like the gift of discernment. And usually when I like feel something immediately, like the Holy spirit is speaking something to me, like whether it's, I feel off or I feel really good. And I think in the past, like I had been so logical um, and careful because there was a hesitancy. Mm. And I think what I saw in this situation with my husband, Grant, at the time was like, there was zero hesitancy. Mm. There was only peace. And there was so much joy that I was just like, no, this is a hundred percent the Lord. And of course, like I took months to like evaluate that, you know, we didn't get hitched that night, but like I took months to, we both took months to really evaluate. Okay. I feel this peace about you as a person, but Mm. now let's evaluate us together and make sure that we're God's best for each other. And you know, that this is, that this is God's will for our life. And so we dated for eight months before we got engaged and then had a three month engagement. Um, so once we knew, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, it's so hard. I don't know if you felt this way before that, but you hear people say that, right? Your whole life, like when you know, you know, et cetera. And that sounds nice. But then it's like when you're there, it is such a 180 degree feeling from even like people you've dated that are like, oh, this is pretty good. Like we have good chemistry. It's possible. It's not even just like it's possible. It just feels to me like a supernatural moment of, like you said, peace and just grounding and like this won't be perfect, but the foundation is enough for us to build on and and to build toward what God has for us and what I've always thought he's had. Like it's wild. Yeah, totally. No, I fully, I fully agree. Like I had, and I talk about like in my book, different relationships that I had walked through and I dated a guy for four years. Um, and then, you know, had been in other relationships since then. And it was just so different with Grant. Like I just, I, I knew, I knew immediately, I just felt the peace of God and, you know, and that's not everyone's story. Like that's definitely not everyone's story, but, um, you know, that was, that was how God spoke to me and he made it clear from the very beginning, but I also have friends that like, it took time and it developed 
And, you know, and so I do think everyone's story is different. I never want to, you know, push on people that like, this is the only way that God moves or the only way that God speaks. But I do think that, you know, really leaning into prayer and just Mm. being led by God's peace is so huge. Like I had saturated that date in prayer and I started feeling the Lord speaking to me before I even Mm. met him. And before I even went on the date, I had my family praying, I had my friends praying. Um, And so I think just it being so saturated in prayer and just asking the Holy Spirit to speak um, is so helpful. And then when you feel that like, Mm, something feels off or, Oh, this is like, this is different. Like I feel God in this. And like, I'm leaving this, this time with this person wanting to know Jesus more Mm. is like something to really lean into. Yeah. Yeah. What's so cool about your book, the love everybody wants, which came out in September, um, is that you started writing it when you were single. This is not like I fell in love and now I'm going to tell people how to get married. Like you started this in a season where you were really, wrestling with God about, about marriage. Is that right? Yeah. So I started writing this book actually before my, cause the book writing process is a crazy one. Yeah, <laughs> and so it takes, it takes a really long time. Um, so it's not like you just sit down and then yeah. all of a sudden your book's out. It's yeah. like you, it takes a long, it's a long process for those who are listening and might not fully know that. And so I had started working on my first book made for this moment before I actually ever went on the bachelor. And then when people reached out to me, publishers and agencies reached out to me when I came off the show, I finished it up, sent it in. And then it took, you know, almost a year before it came out. But in that process, before it came out, as it was coming out, I had actually started working on my new book, The Love Everybody Wants. As I was single, you know, moments of going through breakups, Mm. moments of going through waiting seasons. And, you know, and I feel like in a way I've been living out this message for years because, you know, when I graduated college and in Alabama, everyone gets married at like yeah, 20, yeah, for sure. 22. <laughs> and I was, you know, I had just come out of a four year relationship, was newly single again. And I was in like 10 weddings and I was, you know, literally the term always the bridesmaid, never the yeah. bride. And literally caught like so many wedding bouquets. And I was like, why is the magic yeah. not happening? And I just remember having so many moments, you know, um, two years ago, four years ago, five years ago of just being so frustrated and being like, God, when is it going to be my Mm. turn? And when, when am I going to get to be the bride? When am I going to get to be happy and just being frustrated and I remember having this moment with the Lord. Um, This was probably five or six months before I met Grant and just really wrestling in a season of singleness. My best friend had just started dating someone and all of my other friends were married and just really, really struggling and praying to the Lord with frustration and and even questioning myself. Like, is there something Mm. wrong with me? Like, am Mm. I the problem? Like, is, you know, is it, is it all me? And just in that moment as I'm praying and I'm frustrated with God and with myself, I just felt like he gently corrected me and rebuked me. Mm. And he just really laid on my heart, like, Maddie, you're looking for the right thing in all the wrong places. Like you're trying to find this everlasting love that's going to meet every need and desire, that's going to make you feel more whole and less lonely. And all of these things, you're trying to find that in a person. And you're not going to find that in a person. Like that can only be found in me. And that was such a 
game changer for me because I started writing this book like single and bitter, honestly, (laughs) and just like therapy to myself and just reminding myself, honestly, of God's promises when I didn't feel it and when Mm -hmm. I didn't even want to like believe it and just single and bitter and miserable with looking at where everybody else was and where versus where I was then to having this, you know, moment in revelation with the Lord and it really translating into like single and thriving. Like Mm -hmm. I started really embracing, um, singleness as a gift and was able to even write a whole chapter on singleness from both perspectives um, of struggling in it, but also like seeing it truly as a gift and the, and the things that the Lord, you know, did in my heart and how he, you know, just healed me in ways and how I became so content and who he was, but also who I was and embracing godly friendships and building healthy habits. Um, And then somewhere along the way, I met Grant and, um, you know, continued in my writing process and then was able to write, you know, from a place of like dating and evaluating, Mm -hmm. like, how do I know if this person is the one and, you know, navigating engagement and pursuing purity and, all the different things, you know, that come within the form of, of relationship. And and so it's really cool. I started it single. I finished the manuscript two months into marriage. Um, so even got to write from a marriage yeah. perspective and quickly realized that, you know, this message that I started writing single still applies yeah. to my married self, Yeah. Um, which is what is really cool and what I wasn't expecting, to be honest. Um, and it's really, really cool. And so I'm thankful. It honestly was therapy to myself and also like the Lord, you know, whipping me into shape yeah. as I was writing this to hopefully encourage other people to. <laughs> yeah. I think that's what's such a treasure about the book is this literally traces all three of those seasons for you. And and I love how, not to jump to the end, but you mentioned it, it ends after y'all are married or right when you're getting married and you even have a letter in there to one another that is so beautiful. And one of the things you say at the very end of the book is... I'm so thankful I didn't spend the waiting waiting. I'm grateful that I spent the waiting preparing. And I think, wow, what a game changer. Like what a game changer for people who are where you are at the beginning of this book, who are where I was four, three and four years ago. Like how can I, how can I keep longing? You know, how can I keep really honestly sharing this desire and dream with God, but not waste this time in bitterness, right? Not waste this time in comparison to other people. And and you do such a good job encouraging us to not miss the treasure that is there in the single seasons. And and I really appreciate that because it's hard. Like you probably didn't feel like singleness was a gift for a lot of your life. You know, like most of us don't. You hear that, you know, especially for married people. And you're like, okay, like whatever. That's easy for you to yeah. say. Yeah. No, I remember my mentor like told me singleness is a gift, Maddie. And I'm yeah. like, well, that's easy for you to say. Right. You have four kids and you've been married for 20 years. And yeah. So I, I mean, I've so been there. And I think one of my biggest things too, when I was single and struggling was like, I felt like every book and resource was, you know, from a 50, 60 year old married man. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so thankful. There's been books from people that Mm -hmm. have like literally radically transformed my life. Um, but I think there was 
there was a need in my heart of like, I wanted to feel seen and understood. And I wanted someone who could really relate to what I was feeling and walking through. And so I do think it was the grace of God that Mm -hmm. I was really able to speak from an authentic and vulnerable place. Um, Not from a place of like, here I am, I've arrived and it's been 15 years, but from a place of like, Hey, I'm in this with you and I'm struggling and I'm figuring it out alongside of you. And I think that's the beauty of just, you know, togetherness and the body of Christ is like just getting to be real and vulnerable with one another and, you know, you know, comfort one another when we're struggling and carrying, you know, heavy burdens. And I know like for probably a lot of people listening, many people probably find themselves in waiting seasons, even if it's not, you know, for a spouse, like it feels like we're often waiting for something, you know, whether it's breakthrough or community or a spouse or, you know, our body being healed or whatever Mm. it may be. Like, it feels like we're often waiting on something. And so really just sharing in this book, like one of the biggest revelations that I had was that, you know, who we're becoming in the waiting is Mm. more important than what we're waiting for. And it's so like real and common to, to put all of our hope in the outcome rather than in what God is doing in the process. And I just, it is just, you know, it's been so convicting for me to realize, man, it's, it's a journey with God and it's in the day-to-day moments with him, casting my dependence on him and not trying to take control for myself that I am becoming the person that he's called and created me to be. Mm. And that is more valuable than anything, you know, he could just hand me and any answer prayer just give me right here and right now. Those things are awesome too. But you know, what so matters is my faith and understanding of him and my identity in him and me walking out my purpose with him. Like those are the things that are so important and that's not predicated on your relationship status, you know? And that is what is, was a beautiful revelation for me was like, Maddie, you're not sitting on the sidelines while everybody else is in the game called marriage. Like you're not in a season of less than, and you know, marriage is not, you know, that's not what's going to fix all your problems. And I think we oftentimes neglect where we currently are because it's not where we want to be. Mm. And we think that whatever God could give us is going to fix all of our problems. And it's like, no, he, he alone is the problem solver, not what he can give us. And so it's finding contentment in just who he is Mm. and, you know, not in what his hand can do for us and giving us this person or this spouse or this thing or this job. Um, but rather just finding contentment in who he is and, and learning contentment in the season that he has you in has been huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. I think that waiting that we all hate, right? It's, it's exactly what you said. It's something that we don't want to endure, but it prepares us to properly hold the weight of the gift that we want. Like if we got there too quick, we would fumble it or we would hurt each other more or we would just it would cause more strife like god knows the amount of time we need to build the muscles to hold the gift he's going to give us and a huge part of that is identity you mentioned and that was to me one of the resounding points of your book um and something that hit home so much for me in my last many years is you know in that that season of singleness or that season of waiting for whatever you're waiting for the number one i think gift that God's trying to give us and like point he's trying to drive home and foundation he's trying to build is like, listen, nothing but me can define Mm. your value. Like nothing but me can give you security. Right. And like, that's, 
what I hear from you in your book. And it's just, that's why I think it it is, as you said, it's not just for people who are single and dating. Like this is a check on what are your priorities? Like what are your values rooted in? Because the only thing that won't ever fall away is your identity in Christ and your value in that. And so number one, people should read it for that reason and that reason alone. But with identity in mind, like was Grant the first relationship where you felt like your identity really was solid in Christ or had you found that sort of before? And like, how did that change your dating? Totally. I love that you spoke to that because I do think that that is so important. And one of the biggest messages and prayers that I have when people read this book is that they do realize what you're looking for is already yours because Mm -hmm. it's not in a spouse. It's not in a job. It's not in fame. It's not in success. It's in Jesus and in Jesus alone. And we can spend our whole life trying to search for that. I will be the first to say I've tried to search for it outside of Jesus. I'll be the first to say that I've placed my value and belonging and worth in the hands of other people Mm -hmm. or in, you know, some form of success or significance by the world standards. And it really wasn't until I hit my knees in a moment and said, Lord, you alone satisfy and I make you the Lord of my life. And I Mm. don't want to strive any longer or search any longer. Um, I want to just go all in with you. And that has been a game changer for me. And then I think to answer your question, like within that, you know, my identity has just continued to grow, I think day by day. And I think that's the beautiful thing about, you know, walking with, with God is that, you know, it's a constant, it's a sanctification. You're Mm -hmm. constantly being, you know, made more, more and more into his likeness and into his image, the more time you spend with him. And so, you know, who I am even a year ago, who I am four or five years ago, you know, is a totally different person who all loved Jesus. Um, but I continue to grow, you know, just maturity, holiness, purity, wisdom, um, and in so many different areas. And I think that's the thing about identity is it's a daily decision. Like Mm. it's a daily choice. It's not a one-time moment. Same really with even our relationship with the Lord, you know, it's like, you can have one moment of giving your heart to God, but it's an everyday abiding. It's an everyday, you know, picking up your cross and following Jesus. It's an everyday decision. And for me, that's what I've realized even with my identity, because there's some days where like I wake up and I don't feel confident. Mm -hmm. I don't feel beautiful. I don't feel, you know, worthy of being loved. I don't feel, um, whatever it may be, fill in the blank. Right. But there's days where I just have to choose it. Like, I'm like, okay, I don't feel like I belong, but I know I belong because my Bible tells me that I'm a daughter of the Mm. King. And so it's like making sure that you have a truth that outweighs your feelings. And so in those moments when my feelings are loud, it's like, okay, I'm not going to ignore or run from my feelings and emotions, but I'm also going to speak truth to them. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel what I feel, but I'm also going to know what I know. And I'm going to cling to that truth and to the knowledge of God's word um, versus just what I feel in a moment because our feelings don't make great leaders and they're not good to build our life on because you know, they're constantly changing and Mm. they're constantly affected by circumstances and people and so many different changing factors. But when we build our identity, when we build our life, our relationships on the love of God that is never changing, Mm. um, man, that just sets us up for such a more stable and steady and secure. Like you spoke to security. It's so crazy to me that I I have so many people that I know um, with just, you know, the platform and the things that I've been through. I've met so many people who literally have 
everything by the world standards. They have the most money you could imagine. They have mm. the most followers you could imagine. They have the biggest platform. They have, they're so successful. You know, they're like, so they have multiple New York times bestsellers. They have, you know, billion dollar companies, whatever it may be. And like, for those who aren't keeping Jesus at the center mm. and they aren't daily walking with the Lord, they're still so discontent yeah. and they're still asking the question, is there more? Mm. And I have had so many conversations, you know, with those people of just like, man, I am so grateful that for me, I learned and I'm continuing to learn that like my heart can only be made whole by the one who created it. Mm. And if I try and put that in the hands of other people, I'm continuing to allow other people who may not even know who they are to determine who I am. Yeah. And that's just not the way that God's called us to live. Yeah. And so I would say to answer your question, it's an everyday decision. Um, I haven't fully figured it out. I think the biggest way practically that I walk that out is, you know, by abiding and being like spending time in God. God's word, spending time in prayer, mm -hmm. and then surrounding myself with people yes. who know who they are, like surrounding yeah. myself with community who's sure of their relationship with God and sure of who they are in God and what their identity is in Christ. And so that has been so helpful for me. Mm. I think in the seasons where I questioned um, my identity was likely due to the people that I was surrounding myself with um, and not choosing to surround myself with, you know, yeah. other believers and other people who who pointed me closer to Jesus. Um, and so I would say that I think as far as like relationships go, I definitely had kind of that groundbreaking moment with God in college. And so I would say most of my relationships mm. were, you know, centered on centered around Christ and, um, you know, the Lord was the foundation and, you know, we pursued purity and, and all of those things. Um, I would definitely say like, as I look back, there's definitely been a lot of moments where, you know, I was like, trying to figure things out. Like I was definitely yeah, still course, learning who I was. I was definitely still, you know, like just moments where I was really insecure, you know, and, yeah. and just really questioning even like my personality. Like I always felt like I had such a big personality. And so even in relationships, feeling like I was too much or not yeah. enough. And so, you know, it, it, I think with Grant, what was so beautiful was that revelation that I had with God, you know, six months prior where he mm. was like, you're trying to find yeah. what you're looking for in people. And it can only be found in me, which allowed me to enter into a relationship with Grant already from this place of abundance and security yes. rather than lack and needing him to mm. complete me or satisfy me. Yes. And that it is a game changer. I feel like that I want that to be one of the major takeaways for everybody listening in in the in people who are pursuing marriage and dating, but also pursuing anything is like you talking about people in your world and there's people in everyone's world where they, on, the optics are great, right? Like they should be secure and content, like you said, but their identity is so rooted in these things that, you know, ebb and flow and can fall away that they're never going to find that security. And I feel like what I hear from you and I, I see in your book and and what I've experienced is that especially going into dating relationships, like knowing that you, what the subtitle of your book is, is true. Like the love you're looking for, what you're looking for is already yours. Like you have this in Jesus. And I remember this moment too, like in starting to date again, you know, several years ago, God telling me like, you have to remember that I am your everything and everything else is a bonus. Like if I give you the husband you want, if I give you the family you want, like 
you have to remember yeah. everything else as a bonus. And it it is a game changer. Like just it personally and spiritually, but also I hope you agree. I feel like it alleviates a little bit of pressure from the dating 100%. process. A hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. I, I so agree. I love that you said that. And I have a quote kind of similar in my book, but I love what you said because it's so true. And I said in my book, when we make someone our everything, we lose everything else. Because totally. I don't think someone else is meant to be our everything. Only Jesus is. Um, mm. And so that was something I had to like, there were even just like four or five Bible verses that I would just have to repeat over myself often, you know, and one of them just being Psalm 23, one, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Mm. And just reminding mm. myself like he with, with God, like I have everything that I need. I'm not looking, mm. it's not, you know, God plus something equals everything. It's totally. God himself is everything like you were just saying. And so I love that you spoke to that because it is so true. Yeah. And so once you are dating, I do want to talk a little bit about this because you are so practical in the book for people who are in this season and and really want to date, you know, intentionally is a word that we use a lot now. And I'm really grateful for that. Um, so can you talk about a couple things? I feel like this would be really helpful for people. You talk about um, knowing intentions, kind of like why that matters, when that should happen, um, and then expectations and standards. I feel like those all kind of go together. But you talk about, you know, for intentions that within the first couple dates, you should sort of know like what the other person's intentions are. Like, wh what do you mean by that? Like intentions for just marriage or intentions for like their timeline or sexual expectation? Like what what goes into all that? Yeah. Yeah. I think having vision for our life is so important. And like you spoke to intentionality. Um, the Bible talks about without vision, the people perish. And mm. I think there's such a, um, there's such an attack on our life to bring confusion and distraction that removes vision from our life. And so a lot of times we enter into relationship without there being vision, you know, and it just mm. being like, oh, I'm lonely. So like, let me get mm. into a relationship um, or, oh, like he's cute. Let me date him. Yeah. And what I've realized is the most, you know, Six, I hate to even use the word successful, but just the most blessed and happy relationships and marriages are those that are built on something bigger than themselves and mm. something that like has vision. Like they know like, Hey, our long-term goal is to be married and to make each other more like Jesus. And so for me, one of my biggest things that I was looking for was, you know, when we first started dating was like, how does, how does he love God? And how does he love people? Because that's going to show me so much about the way in which he builds his life and how, what his patterns look like, and then continuing to evaluate those patterns over time. Yeah. Um, and it does take time. Like you want to see that person in different environments. I wanted to see, you know, Grant around his family, around friends, around people he didn't know, around my friends, around my family. Um, mm -hmm. And so those were things that I definitely evaluated, but just paying attention to like his patterns. How does he spend his time? What is his speech like? How does he talk? How does he treat people, people that can do nothing for him? Um, mm. What is his character? Is he consistent? You know, those were just things that I was constantly evaluating um, that I kind of talk about, you know, a lot of different things throughout the book. But one of my biggest things 
was patterns. Like, I, you know, the Bible mm-hmm. talks about loving, not just with words and speech, but in action and in truth. And so mm-hmm. I wanted you know, to value action over intention. I want to be a person of action and I want the person that I want to be with for the rest of my life to be a person of action and not just talk the talk. Anybody can say nice, you know, yeah. uh, charisma, like smooth yeah. talking words, right? but really evaluating, do they follow through? Like, are they actually, you know, about what they say they're about? Mm. And even asking their people questions. Like I really, I would pull aside when he wasn't paying attention. Like I'd pull aside his best (laughs) friend, you know, at some like gathering or wedding or wherever we were. And I'd be like, Hey, so tell me about his patterns. Like what's he been like over the last five years, you know, and asking his family good questions and not from a place of like judgment, but from a place of evaluation. Like, I want to know, you know, Mm -hmm. you've known him longer than I have. So like speak into that. And so I think having like a curious, um, you know, intentional, you know, perspective of like wanting to know more, asking really good questions and then like being asking God for a spirit of discernment and then really paying yep. attention to those patterns and, you know, what they're consistently doing because we are our identity, who we are, who we're becoming is we are what we consistently do. And so yep. what are, what are we consistently doing? What is he consistently doing? Um, and so that was, that was really, really huge for me. Um, mm. But I, I, I definitely, wasn't like coming at the first date, like, Hey, are you going to marry me? You know, <laughs> I think we I are think not those, promoting those that conversations. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that came way later, but yeah. I was, you know, I think we were both very clear with each other of like, we're not just dating to date, you know, like oh. I'm not, I'm not interested in just having a boyfriend to have a boyfriend. Um, you know, I'm interested, my vision, my goal is to be married and I don't want to date forever because I want to date in purity and dating in purity is Mm -hmm. hard. And so I'm not going to try and date forever, but I will date for as long as we need to, to really answer the question, are we God's best for each other? Is this God's will? Um, and so for us, that looked like eight months for friends that I know it's looked like a year and a half for other people. It's looked like six months. And so, you know, I would say, really take the time to evaluate them in different seasons and around different people and in different uh, Mm. environments, Um, pay attention to their patterns, and then just be really prayerful um, and have your people like really speak into it too. I definitely had my mentors speaking into it. I had my friends and accountability speaking into our relationship. And so that was really important for me. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, things you say, I feel like I've had this on refrain with some friends of mine recently, is don't date who he could be. Um, my version, I've seen a meme that's when people show you who they are, believe them. Same idea. Um, and I think that's so important because it is so easy to say, well, I see his potential or like, I know this could be better or like he says he wants to grow in this with me. And your idea of patterns is so crucial because as you said don't date who he could be believe who he is right now and and I think what maybe is difficult and I I would love to hear if you've struggled with this or or how to help people maybe manage the line between like hoping in false potential right like sort of not believing who they're showing you to be versus simply like having grace for a flawed person does that make sense like how do we that's a really hard line to toe 
Absolutely. And that's why I think being so prayerful is important because you don't want to have high standards without grace. Like you don't want to beat someone over the head and like make them feel bad for not being perfect because none of us are perfect. I'm not perfect. And I definitely had moments where my standards were higher than my grace, to be honest, Um, where I had, you know, uh, unrealistic expectations that honestly weren't even godly. Like they were very Mm. selfish and worldly. Um, And so I've had moments of being so convicted, you know, when a car door didn't get opened or, you know, I didn't get a certain text or flowers weren't showing up at my door once a week or whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and then just being convicted of like, man, what if like their standards were, you know, being with someone who had a lot of grace, like I'm not Mm, meeting that, you know, like I'm not meeting that expectation. And so I do think, I love that you asked that question because I do think it's a balance, um, you know, and, and it is the whole idea of like, we're called to love like Jesus. And so for me, that's not looking like demanding, you know, perfection. Um, of course. And, you know, it, it looks like forgiving. It looks like mm. being grace gracious. It looks like having mercy. Um, but at the same time, um, I think what I've realized in my life is in the past before I met Grant, you know, dating potential looked like me really justifying the relationship, even though I deep down knew it wasn't God's best. Um, it looked like, you know, me knowing that we weren't equally yoked in our faith and in our values, but I was trying to change him or make him into what I wanted him or needed him to be, to be a spiritual leader for me. Um, you know, and it, it, or it looked like I just was trying to, be less lonely and just find someone who could be company and who could, you know, make me feel somehow more confident or Mm. um, happy or satisfied. And so those have kind of been some instances for me. And I think where it was different again with Grant was we both entered into the relationship, like a a relationship consists, a healthy relationship consists of two healthy people. A strong Mm -hmm. relationship consists of two strong people. And we entered into our relationship truly both healthy and strong, perfect. No, but healthy and strong and rooted in Christ. Like we both knew our identity in Christ. I didn't need him. He didn't need me. Mm, Like I wasn't looking to him to find satisfaction and wholeness. He wasn't looking to me to find satisfaction and wholeness. And there were definitely moments where I was like, okay, you know, this isn't a red flag in him, but is it something that I can, that I can choose to be okay with, you Mm. know, this being a part of his personality for the rest of of my life? Like, am I okay with that? And definitely things, he asked the same thing, like, am I okay with her being really loud and sometimes hard (laughs) to lead and, you know, intense a little bit and, and whatever it may be, like, there's going to be things like that. I think when we expect them to be so perfect, and for me, having unrealistic expectations, like, you know, he's got to be six, eight and he's got to be, you know, <laughs> like he's got to be a little country, but also like have, you know, mad yeah. style. And he's got to be like, I think those kinds of expectations is where we have to be really careful and where I had to get, you know, finally too is like, who is the person who's going to make me more like Jesus? Like mm. who is going to be the person who's going to make me more holy and who's going to push me to my God-given purpose and help, you know, refine my God-given identity. Like that's the person that I want to be with Mm -hmm. is the person that makes me a better person. And I want to be that for someone else. And, you know, finding, I talk about in my book, like 
three questions for Christians to ask in dating is like, does he, does he, or like, I'm just speaking to the women right now, but does he make me more like Jesus? Does he push me closer to Jesus? And does he help me make a difference for Jesus? Mm. And those three speak to very different things. You know, one speaks to identity, one speaks to faith, one speaks to purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think finding someone that pushes those things, then it's like all the other little things, you know, it's like, oh, you know, maybe you don't like how he chooses gum. Like, yeah. well, you know, are you okay with that? Because yeah, exactly. it's not like a deal. It shouldn't be a deal breaker, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but you know, I don't know. That's like, I guess up, up to you and God. But funny. like for me, I just really had to like ask myself those questions. And what I noticed with Grant was his love for Jesus, his love for people. Again, unlike anything I'd ever seen before and the way he challenged me and mm. called me higher. And that every time I spent time with him, I left wanting to know Jesus more and in a deeper way and felt like a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. That was way yeah. more important. Of course, I was attracted to him. Of course, like he was my best friend. We had fun together. We laughed together. But that was the most important thing to me. And so that is kind of what I really evaluated. And I've not always done that perfectly. Um, I've definitely had seasons where I've had high standards and no grace. And then I've definitely had seasons where I've had so much grace that yeah. I was a over and I settled for less than what I deserved. Um, and so it is a balance. It's, it's truth and grace combined. Yeah. It's knowing your worth and value. It's knowing the life that God has called you to live and surrounding yourself with people that are going to push you closer to being that person. But then it's also realizing we're all growing. We're yeah. all figuring this out and extending grace and being patient. Yeah. It's a lot of trial and error and a lot of forgiveness. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> Well, one of the things, too, that I want to hit on before we wrap up, because it's a huge part of your message um, and your platform, you've mentioned purity several times. And when people hear that, I think they automatically obviously think just physical purity, which is a part of your book as well and your story. But I'm really grateful to you in the book. You mentioned earlier that, you know, our emotions can't drive or they're not great leaders, I think is what you said, and that they can't always be trustworthy. And obviously, if you've been in any sort of new dating relationship or any dating relationship, like we know what that means. Like we know what infatuation and lust and excitement feels like. And you acknowledge that that can be dangerous. But I really appreciated you also like speak very fondly about those early months of y'all's relationship, just sort of that like teenage butterfly kind of moment. And so I just, I feel like you did a good job, you know, not vilifying that. I think we almost sometimes swing too far to be like, you know, resist all of that. It's too much strong of a temptation and while that's true, I also want to say, like, what a precious little gift. Like, that season doesn't last very long. And, like, especially yeah. as you, you know, get get further into your life, like, you realize those seasons don't happen that often. And just I think you do a really good job of saying, like, we enjoyed that, like, we honored that, but we also had standards for one another. And so I guess how do you speak to people who want to uphold purity but also don't want to miss, like, the joy of those those butterfly feelings? Yeah. No, I, I love that question so much because I do think feelings and emotions are a gift from God. Like yeah. we serve a God of emotion. And so I do believe they are a gift and I believe stewarded well, they can be the greatest asset and they can be such a, a beautiful thing in our life. Um, I think they can also be dangerous 
because they are always changing. And oftentimes I, I'll speak from personal experience. I found myself in, you know, moments of temptation, whether it be at a party with people doing things that I had made values and standards for myself that I didn't want to do, or whether it be I'm dating a guy, you know, and he's trying to push certain boundaries or whatever the cir circumstance or situation may be. I found myself in those moments where my feelings are telling me one thing, but my values and convictions are telling me something else. And that's a real tension that we feel in those moments. And to be honest, oftentimes I think we do give in to our feelings and emotions and we're led by them and, or we're led by, you know, pressure or culture, whatever it may be. And my biggest challenge, I think, you know, within that chapter in my book is really encouraging, you know, acknowledge those feelings and emotions. Don't act like they're not there. And like you said, I think a lot of times we really beat people over the head of like, don't feel, you know, yeah, like don't, yeah. don't feel that, don't express that. And it's like, no, like feelings are real. And yeah. for me to say like, you know, when I was dating Grant that I wanted to rip his shirt off a few times, like absolutely. But like, at the end of the day, I would have to ask myself the question of like, it, not just what do I feel, but what do I value most? Mm. And being a person who is led by her values and her convictions rather than her feelings and her mm. emotions, because in the seasons where I was led by my feelings and emotions, it ended up leading down a road of shame mm. and of regret and of resentment where I would ask myself, how did I get here? Mm -hmm. And I would wonder, like, how did I get here? How did I get here? And then I would look back at these moments where I just so gave into whatever this pressure was or whatever this temptation was, because maybe I thought it would either make me feel more loved or I was trying to please, you know, people or someone else, or maybe just because I felt like doing it in the moment. But then later I end up regretting it because it didn't align with my values and it mm -hmm. didn't align with, you know, the, the calling that was on my life and the, the calling that God had called me to live. And so for me, I think, I've really tried to encourage my sisters, myself, um, and, and people just like, let's be a people who acknowledges our emotions and feelings mm -hmm. and doesn't run from them or hide from them because it gives us the opportunity to connect with people. And also it points to something much deeper usually yeah. that's going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I've realized that even within the context of marriage, like, you know, whenever I just get really upset about something or really angry about something or really excited about something, like it's pointing to something much deeper. You know, maybe I'm, I'm expressing anger right now, but really what I feel deep down is a fear of rejection yeah. or a oh, fear yeah. of, you know, being, being walked out on or betrayed because yeah. of something that happened 10 years ago, you know? And I think what we realize about our feelings and emotions is they're just indicators, like yeah, they're totally. indicators to what, where we feel lack and where we feel abundance. Mm, and so good. paying attention to those is so crucial and don't ignore them. Don't run from them. Don't hide from them or act like they're not there, but also, yeah. you know, be aware that they don't always make the best leaders. And so yeah. don't just listen to them and follow them wherever they go. Um, just being aware that like, okay, this is where I'm feeling lack in my life. This is where I'm feeling, you know, abundance in my life. And in those moments of pressure and temptations, my biggest encouragement would be to make a decision outside of the heat and pressure of a moment. Mm -hmm. You know, who do I want to be? What do I value most? What are my boundaries? What are my standards? And mm -hmm. writing those things down. Yeah 
without being in a relationship or without there being pressure around, maybe you're in a relationship, but you just take time and you, you sit in your room, you sit in, you know, uh, your living room or your office or whatever. And you just ask yourself those questions and you journal them. And so then when you find yourself in that moment of pressure and temptation, you already know the decision before it happens. You know, you already know before that moment comes what you're going to do. Um, that has been a game changer for me. And I would say within the context of purity and dating, um, that was huge. Like mm. pre-deciding before the heat yeah. of the moment and before the pressure of a moment, what I was going to do. Like I made a decision when I was 16 years old, like I'm going to save myself for marriage. There were many moments where my feelings screamed, totally. no, yeah, we're not doing that. <laughs> you know, many moments. And I was definitely not perfect in my pursuit of yeah. purity at all. Um, I even talk about that in my book, you know, a lot of moments where I, I fell short and moments where I didn't always get it perfectly. Mm. Um, but I made a decision that I wanted to save myself for marriage. And so throughout the relationships that I've had in my life, you know, dating someone for four years, you know, yeah. dating someone, you know, who, whatever, like there were so many moments of pressures and temptations. And I would have to go back to that moment that I decided when I was 16 years old and go back to the why, like, I mm -hmm. think the why yeah. is so important important. If we're just doing it because someone told us to, if totally. we're just doing it because we think God's going to hate us, if we don't, it's going to be really hard to stay true to those things mm. because we don't know our why. And yeah. so for me, I made a decision when I was 16, God, body, soul, and spirit, I'm yours. Mm. And then one day when I become one with someone else, body, soul, and spirit, yeah. I'll be his. Yeah. And so I'm going to make that decision when I'm 16 years old because I know a lot of pressures and temptations <laughs> are coming. And so yeah. I would have to go back to that why. And I would have to go back to why I made that decision in the first place. And and I think just that pre-deciding is so mm -hmm. important. Pre-decide before the heat and pressure and temptation of a moment who you're going to be and what your why is and what your boundaries and decisions are. And it'll really help you stand firm and stay true to it when those pressures and temptations come. And then I think outside of that, bringing in accountability, like bringing mm, in people mm -hmm. to be like, Hey, here's the decision that I made. I decided I'm going to mm -hmm. save myself for marriage. I know this is going to be really stinking hard. So I need you to ask me questions. I need to ask you how my thoughts have been. I need you to ask me how my heart has been. I need you to ask me how we're spending our alone time together. Like I need you to get up in my business and not only be a safe place for me to confess to you when I don't always do it perfectly, but also for you to be a level of accountability to like really mm. help me stand firm in this, like yeah. help me stay true to this and, and to pray for me and, and all of those things. And so even in mine and Grant's relationship, like that was huge for us. We had that boundaries conversation. We pre-decided before the, the pressures of a moment. And then we invited in accountability. He had mm. his guys. I had my girls and, you know, I had my people that were, were helping me stand firm and, um, pursue purity. Yeah. That's so good. And people really need that encouragement. Um, and, and just that, that call to pre-decide because it's very, very hard and sort of where I want to land with you too, on the idea of purity, because I think, you know, we have this notion, okay, we've made these standards, we've had accountability, we've done what we've committed to do, and then we get married and like, great, poof, it's done. Purity is not a thing I have to worry about. What does purity look like in marriage? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this because you have to pursue purity 
in marriage. You have to pursue holiness in marriage. You have to pursue, you know, like all the same things that you pursue in singleness, you pretty much got to pursue in marriage. (laughs) Like it's not that it's like this big game changer. And yes, like your dynamic has changed. You're now able to pursue intimacy with this person, you know, within the confinement of marriage. But there's like, I, I think purity is so much bigger than just a, you know, a sexual act. Mm. And, you know, um, I think that purity is a state and heart. It's a heart posture. Mm. It's a state of thinking. It's a, um, you know, it's a way of living. It's, it's an identity. Like it talks about in, in the Bible, like before the creation of the world, we were created to be holy and blameless in his sight. Like it's not just what we do, but it's who we are. So Mm. it's a part of our God given identity. And, you know, I just want to speak to even the person that like maybe hasn't made that decision up until this point. Like I talk so much about that in my book because man, that wasn't my husband's story either. And again, Mm. I wasn't perfect. Um, but what's so beautiful about God is that he redeems and that he makes us brand new and that we can actually choose from this day forward to pursue a heart of purity. And what I love about the gift of purity is that it's such a blessing and gift from God because it helps us see him clearly. Mm, like it says in scripture yeah. in Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the yeah, pure yeah. in heart for they will yeah. see God. Like mm. purity helps us see God clearly. It helps us see ourselves in yeah, God clearly. Yeah. Like it gives us, it gives us a sense of innocence and joy mm. and purpose that we don't have when we choose to ignore that command and call by God. And so it really is such a gift. It's such a protection and it really brings so much peace. And I think within the confinement of marriage, you know, what that looks like is, you know, being careful with the music that we listen to, being careful with the movies that we watch, um, having accountability in our life that, you know, that we confess even at the thought level, you know, Mm -hmm. is like, oh, I had this thought and I know it wasn't holy and I know it wasn't honoring to God or to my spouse. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to confess this to you. Will you pray over me? Mm -hmm. And that is like something we're really trying to practice within our community here you know, in Waco, Texas. And so I think one of the biggest, you know, encouragements that I would have for those who are getting married or who are married, who are listening, um, and of course, even in singleness too, but just the importance of like that accountability yeah. and having that community where that doesn't stop when you get married. Like it should mm-hmm. honestly probably yeah. even increase because, you know, the devil hates marriage. And yeah, so there's going to sure. be a lot that's coming after your marriage. And there's yeah. going to be so many opportunities and ways that, that you will have to be unfaithful. Mm-hmm. And that might even just be in your thought life. That might yeah. even just be in your heart posture and you lusting after something or someone else. And so that's why it's so important to have community and accountability to not let it continue, but to be like, Hey, I had this thought, pray over me so that I don't continue in this thinking pattern, like pray over me so that I don't continue to be repetitive with this thought or, you know, allow it, allow it to even turn into a belief or into a a strong desire or into me acting on it, you know? And so I think that is so important within the context of marriage. But like I said, purity is so much more, um, I think than just like lust and sex and all of these things. Like it's, it's, it's our thinking, it's our, it's our heart posture. And so, you know, being careful again with just music, movies, media, time on social media, like that's something I'm super intense intentional, um, about like who I'm following, you know, that's something I'm intentional about. Um, and so those are, those are just, you know, some practical things that I think has been helpful for us within the context of marriage. Yeah, that's so good. And 
Girl, you're just such a treasure, man. I feel like we could, I could listen to you talk for hours. I just, I want to thank you just as somebody who has watched you, um, you know, for the last several years, you have such an important voice, um, right now in culture, in, in this generation for young women. And I really respect you and I really appreciate what you're doing. I know it's not easy, um, but you've really risen to the challenge. You can see the anointing on your life. I'm just really grateful to get to know you. It's awesome. Well, thank you. Seriously. Thanks. Thank you for your encouragement. And, and yeah. truly it takes having people like you and my life and having people around me that just are encouraging, but that also call me out and yeah. you gotta have <laughs> call it. me higher. You and just like, it. you know, and just for anyone listening, like don't just surround yourself with yes people, like yeah. have people in your life that'll be like, Hey girl, you're crushing it. And then also people in your life who are like, Hey, that ain't cute. That ain't yeah. good. That ain't Not godly. Good. Like we got to work on that, you know? Yeah. And I think that's so important, but thank you. Thank you for saying that, that yeah. like that really, means a lot to me and um you know from one maddie to another like yeah, same to you sis. like you're crushing it for the kingdom and you know we just we need people that will continue to stand firm in truth and and just be be the light and the love of jesus um to, to this world so thank you for who you are and what you do oh girl yeah and where we like to land maddie what's bringing you joy right now oh I would say this fall weather yes. and getting ready for the holidays. The I'm just so excited. My my work schedule has slowed down a little Good. bit and I'm just getting to really like get back to just being a housewife and yeah, get ready for the it, holidays. <laughs> so I'm just li I'm just living my best life over here. I'm like it's starting to finally That's get awesome. a little cooler in Texas, which it's usually yeah, like 100 bless. degrees outside. Yeah. So that is what is bringing me a lot of joy right yeah, now. Yeah, time for a little holiday, a little rest. I'm glad. Yeah. Well, I am so grateful for you. I'm grateful for your story. Y'all go pick up the love everybody wants. Madison Pruitt Trout, my now second favorite Maddie. I'm so glad <laughs> to have you. <laughs>